It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yeah, they'll know we are Christians by our love. In times where everyone is so divided, how can we be a good neighbor? Feeling all of his mysteries and making everything as plain as day. And if I have faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give all I own to the poor, or even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Good morning. It is great to have you worshiping with us at Faith Bible Church. I just want to put out a scenario to you. You are in your home and all excited because you see that there's going to be a home built next to you, and you can't wait to meet your new neighbor. You're wondering what they might be like. You can't wait to perhaps have some fellowship, maybe get to know them better. Who knows? Maybe make a great friend. Maybe have a golfing partner or a sewing buddy or maybe someone that you can cook with. Perhaps, maybe, you could even borrow a cup of sugar from them. And so, as the house is built, you become to be more and more excited, and you realize that the day is coming that indeed you're going to have someone who is living next to you. You can't wait to meet them, and that day finally comes, and you get to meet your new neighbor. Let's take a look at who that neighbor might be.
little bit of humor there for you, but how many of you have wanted a neighbor like the Simpsons? How many of you are excited to have a next-door neighbor like the Simpsons? Or how many of you are wondering and saying, when will the Simpsons leave? You know, we're in a neighboring series this morning, and I hope and pray that you have enjoyed it. I've uh, heard a lot of positive comments, but part of this is to really challenge us to think about who is our neighbor and how do we go about being salt and light to those whom are around us. And to be honest with you, one of the things that I will tell you is, is it's certainly easy to love a neighbor who is similar to you. Certainly easy to love someone who has certain sort of ideas or thoughts or actions that are similar to yours. But as we've seen this morning, what do we do if the Simpsons move next door to us? What if we are Ned Flanders and the Simpsons happen to be our neighbors? How do we love them? How do we encourage them? What do we do to be Christ to those individuals? And so this morning, we're going to be asking a question of how do you love that neighbor who is different than you? Now, I don't need everybody to raise their hands, but I just want to ask, does anybody have a neighbor that maybe is different than them, or that one neighbor that might be a little bit challenging to get along with, or that one neighbor that you wonder about? What do you do there? Do you ignore him or her or them? Do you just kind of put up a big wall? Do you just kind of say, you know what, that's fine, they're there, I'm here, or do you look perhaps at the fact that maybe, just maybe, God put that neighbor next door to you so that you could be Christ to those individuals. This morning, I want to take a minute, and we're going to ask again, how do you love that neighbor that is different than you? And to do so, I want to have you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, and we're going to look particularly at verses 9 through 17. I want to take a moment, and I want to read it, but also before I do, I want to lay the context of where these verses are. They might be very familiar to you. This is sort of the passage where Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. It talks about remaining in Jesus, and we're going to see that that is the most important aspect of how we can love our neighbors. The question that I want to ask you is this, are you willing to do so? Uh, Keith earlier talked a little bit about that this would be more than a head exercise, and it's been my prayer and our prayer that as we learn and grow in Christ, not only in our understanding of who He is and how we are to live, that more important, it would affect our hearts, and it would cause us to action. It would cause us to want to go out and love that neighbor. If you have the Bibles with you, I want to take a moment. We're going to pick up in verse 9. We're going to read through verse 17, and we're going to discover a few kind of keys that are there for us on how we can love that neighbor that might be different than us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Uh, no pun intended, but I love these words of Jesus. But I think oftentimes we kind of peruse this chapter and we look and then we turn to the next one and it really doesn't sink deep into our hearts. One of the things that I think is so important for us is Jesus is turning to his disciples and showing them the great change that is coming and has come. He is encouraging them to recognize that how we go about moving forward and giving the gospel to other people is by loving one another and loving those whom God puts in our path. So the first thing that I want to tell you and encourage you with is how do we love that neighbor that's different than us? Well, I think the first couple of verses, we see this. First and foremost, live for Jesus and let Jesus live within you to be able to go and love like Jesus. I think this is foundational, and it is so important for us to see. My question to you is simply this. Are you living for Jesus, and are you allowing Jesus to live within you? Because if you're not, or if this is just sort of a passing fad, and lovingly I'm going to tell you, if you just come to church and sit and listen to the pastor and then go home, and there's no connection with Christ, there's no relationship with Him, there's no aspect of Him working in your life, I'm going to lovingly tell you to check your heart. I'm not God. And I'm not making any pronouncement, but there should be a change of our heart when we come to Christ. There should be an aspect of wanting to know Him more. There should be an aspect of falling deeper in love with Him. And let me explain this. As we discover how much He loves us. Friends, what I want to tell you is this. As we look and we discover the gospel, as we look at what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing for us, and what Christ will do for us, it's the greatest love story that's ever been written. It is a story about someone who loves the unlovable. And let me tell you, the unlovable are you and I. We see in the scriptures, in fact, the scriptures say that when we didn't love, he first loved us. It's the passionate pursuit that Christ has for us, his creation. I'm not going to stop, he says. I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I've been called to do. We see that displayed on the cross as Christ hangs there and dies for us so that we might have life. And so what I want to encourage you with is Jesus starts off and he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now that's important because those words there are permanent, they're final, and they are not conditional. It is the aspect of this has been done, period. And so friends, what I want to remind you with is this. Sometimes in our lives we might go through challenging situations. Something might come up that's unexpected. And we look around and we wonder and we say, well, if this is happening in my life, how can I be loved by God? And what I want to encourage you in is this, that Christ himself says what? In this world there will be trouble, but then he says, fear not, for I have overcome the world. As much as I wish that when you come to Jesus, your life would be perfect, I recognize that that's not what it's about, because if our lives is perfect, then we'd have no need for Christ in our lives. And so in those moments where we wonder where Christ is, we wonder what he's doing and what's going on in those challenging times, my encouragement to you is to remember and recognize that we are loved by Christ because Christ is loved by the Father. And those two aspects are unconditional, irrevocable, undeniable, and permanent. You've heard me say it before, but I'm going to say it again because I believe that our culture so flippantly uses the word love in a variety of different ways that when we talk about love, we don't recognize the word that is being used here. And that is the unconditional, irrevocable, undeniable love of God, period. It's I love you. It's not I love you if, it's not I love you when, it's you are loved and I love you. How do we do this though? Because recognize that also there is this statement, but then it says now remain in my love. What does that mean there? Friends, what I want to tell you is this. It is a two-way street. Now, God loves you through Christ no matter what when you place your faith and trust in Him. But let's recognize that it's a reciprocal relationship. And so lovingly, what I want to ask you is this. Are you remaining in the love of God, and what does that look like in your life? Are you taking time to sit in His Word? Are you taking time to allow the Word to soak over you, to transform your heart, to mold you and shape you, into his image that he desires for you, not the image that you desire for yourself. One of the things that I would encourage you with, and I think that this is sort of a statement that summarizes what's being talked about, it's by Brother Andrew, and he says this, I have come to see clearly that this life is more than self. It is more than doing what I want, striving for what will benefit me, dreaming of all that I can be. Life is all about my relationship with God. There is no higher calling, no loftier dream, and no greater goal than to live, breathe, and be poured out for Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to ask a simple question. Are you pouring out for Jesus Christ? Or are you constantly expecting to be poured into? Now, being poured into is not a bad thing. But what I want to tell you is, is if all you're doing is being poured into and not pouring out, 
lovingly, I would encourage you to begin pouring out for others because that is how the church grows. That is how God's kingdom expands. That is what we are called to do as Christ's disciples. Jesus continues on and he says this, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. Interestingly enough, we look at that and we begin to say, well, gosh, that sounds pretty hard to do, doesn't it? Right? Obey the commands of God. And what what, do our hearts do? Our hearts immediately turn to the Old Testament, don't, don't they? A lot of laws to obey. But what do we know about Christ? Christ came to fulfill the law. Christ came to essentially take care of the law and allow us to live in mercy and grace. And then he says what? Well, there's essentially two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and live for yourself. It's all about you and what you want because you know Jesus and that's all that matters. No. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to ask you a simple question. How many of you want to be loved? Hopefully, I'm seeing every hand in here. Okay? Kind of an easy trick question, if that makes sense. How many of you want to know that at your best and at your worst, you are loved by God, who will never leave you nor forsake you, And that that God is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth. There is no one greater than he. So in those moments where you shine, and in those moments where you do not shine, you can go to God and say, no matter what, I am loved. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm like, sign me up. I want that. But friends, let me ask you this. Can we reflect that to others as well? Because that's what we're called to do. Again, please hear me. I'm not saying that we just allow sin to transpire. And when we see individuals who are in acts of sin that are destructing or removing or taking them away from the love of God, that we just allow it to occur. But also, we've talked long and hard about how so conditioned we are in our love. We live in a world where love is, I will love you if, or I will love you when. But I won't love you if, or I won't love you when. And that's not how God loves us. We're talking about the agape love, the irrevocable, undeniable, unchanging love of God displayed through Jesus Christ for us. We continue on, and it says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Well, just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as you do, it will draw you into the scriptures. It will draw you into a deeper relationship with Christ. And it will want or cause you to want to be transformed and changed. Please hear me. We're all a work in progress. We never fully arrive until we go to be with Christ in glory. But my question is this, after having come to Christ and having a relationship with Jesus, has it been more about you 
Or has it been more about loving others for Christ? Jesus continues, and he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Friends, there's a big difference between happiness and joy. And I think the world is trying to trick you that in order to feel the presence of God or know that God is around, that you have to be happy all the time. And that's not what is discussed in the scriptures. Joy is this deep, unrelenting understanding and knowing that no matter what transpires in this world, the highs or the lows or sort of those mundane moments where life just seems to continue on, that we have a greater inheritance, a greater purpose, a greater drive than simply living in the world. And that is our king, our creator, our maker, our savior, who loves us, period, Jesus. And so in this, we look and he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus just isn't saying this because he's running out of things to say. He's not just saying this because he wants to just have some tagline. He's giving purpose behind it. And he's saying, look, I'm telling you this so that your joy may be complete. Friends, if you want joy in a Christian life, then look back to what Jesus just said. Remain in me. Remain in me. And right now, I think that the world is vying for every part of our attention. There are so many things that are distracting us from remaining in Christ. We want a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of the world. And friends, I recognize that that might be challenging, but if we were just to change that a little bit, if we were just to move in the direction of more Christ and less world, we would be heading in the right direction. And the reason that I'm talking to you about this now is there are people out in our communities who are desperately wanting to hear about Jesus. They're wanting to hear about who he is. And let me illustrate the fact that if they come to you and they hear that you are a follower of Christ, and then they start asking you questions about Jesus, and you give them 10% Jesus and 90% world, they're going to begin to wonder who Jesus is. Friends, we have the greatest gift, the greatest blessing ever, and that is a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Maker of Heaven and Earth. Let's tell people about that. Let's fall deeper in love with Jesus so that we can go out and more deeply love those who need to be loved by Jesus Christ. And then he says, my command is this, love yourself. It's interesting because sometimes we look and he says, if, if you want to know me, obey my commands, right? But then he comes down and he says, look, my command is this. Let me just make it plain and simple for you. 
Love each other as I have loved you. Don't miss this statement. This is one of the most sort of profound aspects of what's going on in this passage. We miss this sometimes because we look, and I'm not saying it's not important, but we look about connecting to Jesus, and then we think that it's an individual pursuit. Great. Therefore, the more I'm connected to the vine, which is a good thing, the better off I am. And so what we do is is we focus internally and say, I just need to connect to the vine, I need more of Jesus, and then it's all good. But the point that Jesus is making is, no, connect to me. to go out and love. That's the reason I'm telling you this. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. One of the things that I would say that is so important for us at the church, one of the big encouragements that I give to all of us is, are we loving one another unconditionally as Christ calls us to love? Because the other thing that I will tell you is if someone is wanting to be loved by God, if someone is looking to be loved by Jesus Christ, and they come to a place that claims to be loved by this unconditional, irrevocable, undeniable love of Jesus, and they think, my gosh, I'm here, and this is wonderful, and they walk in, and the second that they do, those that should love that individual unconditionally begin to say, well, wait a minute, we'll love you if... Or we'll love you when, but we won't love you if, or we won't love you then. That begins to destroy the testimony of the great love of God. And please hear me again. I do not want to say that it's all just about love, and we just love and there's no change. No, we are called to change. We are called to repent. We are called to turn from our sins. It isn't, again, come as you are, stay as you are. But oftentimes what we do is is we say, well, come as you are, but before you come, before you get, before you're here, I want to dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure that you meet my criteria. And then I will love you. Can I lovingly just say this? Praise God that in my life, when I made a decision to follow Jesus, and I began to somewhat minutely understand who I was and what Christ did for me and you in his life by dying on a cross, and I didn't fully get it, but I cried out and said, I don't understand this, but I want Jesus in my life. Praise God that Jesus didn't come to me and say, You know, that's pretty good, Trev. But you didn't get this, you didn't get that, you didn't miss this, you're still doing this, you're still doing that. And until you clean all of that up, then I will love you. He said, I love you. And what drew me and draws us more and more is the more that I discovered all the muck and the mire, all of the sin in my life, all of those areas that I thought were all about me, God never once said, three strikes and you're out. He said, I love you, you're mine, 
and I want more for you in my life. And I want to use you, and I want to take you, and I want to do whatever it is. And the next thing you know, as I've said before, a guy who was thinking that he was going to head down south and be working at an embassy is now pastoring in rural Iowa. God knows me better than I know myself, but that's because God loved me unconditionally, and it drew my heart toward him. Friends, there might be someone out there right now in your life, like the Simpsons. There might be somebody that's difficult to love, and I promise you, keep loving them, because God never stops loving us. How do you love a neighbor that's different than you? First and foremost, friends, live for Jesus and let Jesus live within you to be able to go and love like Jesus. Here's another quick thing. If you're having a hard time loving someone like Jesus, go back and soak in the love of Jesus Christ for you. And that's not mean. That's just an encouragement. Go and soak in the love of Jesus for you. Take time and have him demonstrate how much he loves you. And then go and love that neighbor for Jesus Christ. The next thing that I want to encourage you is this, and we're kind of alluding to this. Jesus says something very profound in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Now, theologically, this is alluding to, obviously, the fact that Christ is going to the cross. Christ is demonstrating what he will do at sort of the culmination of his ministry, his mission, which was to go to the cross, to die on it, to obviously pay or atone is the word for our sins so that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we can have eternal life with him. But also look at this. If we are followers of Jesus, right? If we are emulating Jesus then we should be emulating what Christ has done. And when he says, greater is, what? Or greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. What should that tell us? Well, friends, what I tell you is this, newsflash. It isn't about you. The Christian faith is not all about you. We're called to lay our life or your life down for others. When we really begin to see the joy that Jesus is talking about in the Christian walk, it's when we begin to lay our life down for other people, serving other people, loving other people, recognizing that it isn't all about us and our agenda. It isn't all about soaking in and being individual in our corporate or in our Christian faith. The Western church, friends, is being challenged because we think it's so individual. And as we look, and we look at the Eastern church, we recognize the corporate understanding and the corporate meaning of our lives with Jesus Christ. Look around right now. Look around at the people that God has assembled, not only here, but in other churches, in our community, as well as around the world. And we are part of a corporate body, a corporate movement that transcends culture, transcends race, transcends country, and transcends century. 
We are part of a kingdom that is eternal, that will never end. And yet we get to participate. So it is about you, but it isn't about you. I want to ask a question lovingly. Has there been a time in your life where you've laid your life down for a friend? Now, please hear me. That doesn't mean that you have to obviously go hang on a cross. But have you laid your life down for a friend? Have you taken time and said, you know what? It isn't about me right now. Yes, this person is challenging. Yes, this person is difficult. But I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend time with that person. I'm going to walk with him or her or them. And I'm going to love them like Jesus. And then watch this. In verse 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. Sometimes people come and ask, How do I know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And one of the things that I want to tell you is, is often that first response is, Well, did you pray the prayer? Now, that's important. But you want to be assured that you have a relationship with Jesus. You want to know that indeed in the, in the good and in the bad, in the high and in the low, that you indeed are a follower of Jesus Christ. Right here. Are you loving others for Jesus? That is a telltale sign that you indeed are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And watch this. He continues on and he says something so important because he moves us into a personal, deeper relationship. How do we love that neighbor that's different than us? We live for Jesus, let Jesus live within us, and we go and love like Jesus. We recognize that it isn't all about us and we lay our life down for others. And then we know that we're loved by Jesus. And so then we go and love others like Jesus. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Jesus moves into a deeper, more intimate relationship with his disciples. And he says, look, you are not just servants. You are not just people whom I just look at and say, do this, don't do this. You are my friends. And I've told you and I'm telling you what the master's business is. And we look at that and we look at how blessed we are because beyond the disciples, we get to see the full picture. The disciples, as amazing as it was to be able to walk with Jesus and spend time with Jesus, didn't have the full picture. Friends, we get to sit back and recognize that we've got the, the pregame, the game, and the aftergame. Through the Old Testament, the Gospels, and then obviously the epistles that are summarizing what Christ has done. And we're awaiting the great culmination. We're awaiting the great celebration. We're awaiting the great day when Jesus comes to claim his church. But until that time, may we go out and love others for Jesus Christ. I want you to know, first and foremost, that you are loved by Jesus. Because it's difficult to love when you feel unloved. 
And I want to encourage you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done or have not done. I don't care what you're doing or not doing right now. If you have cried out to God and said, I need Jesus in my life. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want him in my life. You are loved, period, unconditionally, irrevocably, and undeniably on your good days and on your bad days and every day in between. God loves you through Jesus Christ, whom you have put in your life by trusting in him. And rest in that and soak in that and bathe in that and then go and love other people because it's very hard to love others when you don't feel loved and the enemy wants to do nothing more than to come to you and say, are you sure? Is it true? Can you be loved? Look what you did. Look what you're not doing. Look how you're acting. Look what you're supposed to be doing. And when we look and we say, my goodness, I am loved, it enables us to go and love others. And it enables us to love others who are those difficult neighbors. Jerry Bridges says this. It says, he says, God's unfailing love for us is an objective fact. Okay, this, this isn't a metaphor. It's an objective fact affirmed over and over in the scriptures. It's not said just once in scriptures. It's not something that's hard to find. It's not something that we have to look for and search for. I wonder if God loves me. God cries out every day, screams out through the scriptures, through his passionate pursuit for you and I to say, I love you, period. He cries out on the cross. That is his greatest love song for all of us to say, I love you and this is what I'm doing for you so that you might have a relationship with me. God's unfailing love for us is an objective fact affirmed over and over in the scriptures. It is true whether we believe it or not. You may not feel loved right now. You may question it, but it is true. Period. Our doubts do not destroy God's love. Don't miss this. Our doubts do not destroy God's love. Nor does our faith create it. Sometimes we think, well, maybe if I'm more faithful, right, God will love me more. God loves you, period. Bathe in that. Soak in that. And move in that. It originates in the very nature of God. God is love. Who is love? God. His very nature. He is love. And it flows to us, flows to us through our union with his beloved son. And then we go back and we go to the start of John 15. I am the vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in the love of God. Remain in his love. Know that you are loved by Jesus and go and love others like Jesus. And then finally, in these last two verses, love one another and then go and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. He continues on and he says, You did not choose me. You did not choose me. But I chose you. The God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the Lord of lords, chose you. Because he loves you. And he displayed that love for you by giving you his son, Jesus, on a cross so that we might have life. That's the deep, deep love of God. And then he says, I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Friends, we've been appointed to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. Are we? Are we bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Or is it all about us? Are we going and loving that difficult neighbor? Are we going and encouraging them in Jesus Christ? Because that's how we bear fruit. Can I ask another question? Were any of you that difficult neighbor that was loved by someone? Amen. Some days I wonder if I'm bearing fruit. I pray that I am. But I know that whatever fruit that I bear is bared by God, by His mercy, His grace, and His sovereignty, and praise God for it. And I know whatever fruit that is, it will last. Not to my glory, but to His glory. And that's the great purpose that we have in Christ. And that's why we go and love those difficult neighbors. And then, I love it, no pun intended, Jesus summarizes it and he says, look, if you've missed it, if you've been asleep, if you don't get this, I'm going to say it one more time. This is my command. Love each other. Friends, may we love one another here in this church. May we encourage one another in their relationship with Jesus. When we see people stumble and fall, may we love them in Christ. May we point out to them perhaps areas where they might be struggling. May we encourage them to draw closer to Jesus. May we call sin, sin, but may we love people through it. Because Jesus does the same for us. How do you love that neighbor who is different than you? Again, live for Jesus and let Jesus live within you to be able to go and love like Jesus. Newsflash, it isn't all about you. Lay your life down for others. 
Know that you're loved by Jesus, and then go and love others like Jesus, and then love one another, and go and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That take-home truth, essentially, what are we summarizing here? We love that neighbor who is different than us by living for Jesus and loving like Jesus as we lay our life down to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. I want to take a moment. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, but um, before we do, I just want to uh, encourage you. Uh, you probably have noticed the signs that are here, and uh, it's just an opportunity, if you would like, kind of a little way that we can encourage other people around the community that we're part of a family of faith. Uh, there are some signs, just like this, got faith. Um, and if you would like, uh, after service, at the Connection Center, there are uh, those signs that are there. You're welcome to take one or two, and if you want to put them up in your home, you can. Also, just want to say real fast, uh, for those that are part of the lake, we did talk and check. Um, would encourage you, you're welcome to take a sign. If you do, we would kindly ask, you can put it in your window of your home. Um, if you put it out in your yard, there are some regulations on the length, etc., etc. So we're just wanting to love our neighbors and comply with their requests, uh, but it doesn't mean that you can't. So, um, would love to see that happen. Again, uh, we're not forcing you to do so, but if that's something where you want to say, hey, yeah, I want to let people know uh, about Jesus or that I'm a part of a church and maybe uh, show them a sign that, hey, this is a place where if they've got questions or they want to understand more about God, we have those there for you. Uh, also, we're going to be looking and doing some t-shirts as well as some hats. Uh, those are going to be available. You can call the church office and Rache will be able to get you more information about that. Uh, they're going to be very similar to these signs. They're just either a white shirt that says Got Faith or a black shirt in white that says Got Faith. And it has a little information about our church as well. Let's take a moment. Let's go to the Lord and just ask, God, how do you want me to love that difficult neighbor? I guarantee that we probably all have somebody in mind. And my encouragement to you is to look and see how Christ has loved us and then use that example and emulate that in the lives of others. Father, we come before you this morning and again. We just thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the theological truths that are there. We thank you for the commands of Jesus. But we also thank you for the practicality that is there as well. Father, remind us that studying your word and looking into it isn't just a mere theological exercise, although that is important, but it's also there to cause us to be transformed and change our hearts and our lives for others. Father, help us to go and love our neighbors in a way that would encourage and bless them and be with them so that they would see the love of Christ in us. Lord, help us to go and to love God with all our heart, soul, and minds. But as we do, then enable us to go and love others, to love our neighbors, and to bless and encourage them. We just thank you. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name and Christ's name alone. And we ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.